Hello, welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet's series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week, I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. My aim is that these 15-minute conversations twice a week give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. Now, we spoke about apples on here a few episodes ago, and I'm keen to talk more about apples again here today on Fruitbox. In fact, I'd like to focus on this issue of new varieties. Where has this push for new varieties come from? And are there now perhaps too many of them? What are the new varieties of the future? And what impact will this wider range of varieties have for apple marketers in future? Joining me to discuss all of this today on Fruitbox is Todd Fryhover, the president of the Washington Apple Commission. Todd's talking to me down the line from Wenatchee in Washington State on the west coast of the United States. Todd, hi, welcome to Fruitbox. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be here. Now, uh, Todd, in, in Washington State, you produce some two thirds of all the apples in the United States of America. And each and every year in Washington State, you're producing many more apples. You've also undergone a, a huge diversification in the makeup of your apple crop in recent years. Where you used to produce Red Delicious and a handful of other varieties, you're now producing Red Delicious and as many as 30 other varieties, many of them red and mostly sweet in taste. Now, uh, among these new varieties includes uh, one called Cosmic Crisp. Uh, and that's uh, one that everybody's getting very excited about, so much so that they've even picked it up in the national news as a story uh, in your own country uh, and around the world as well. So tell me what, what's happening with uh, the varietal balance in Washington State. As you alluded to, Chris, we have been concentrating on varietal diversification here in Washington State, and that's in direct relationship to U.S. consumers' wants and needs. You know, they're looking for improved texture. They're looking for different flavors. So our growers have been very aggressive about going out there, as you suggest, and finding all these new varieties and putting them into production. Uh, we've been seeing Red Delicious, which has been our flagship up until this year, decrease in volume. And over the course of the last 10 years, the volume has decreased almost one third. So between reds and galas, that's about 72% of all the fruit that we ship around the world. But another important feature is organic. And you mentioned new varieties and Cosmic Crisp, and there's Cosmic Crisp and organic that's available as well. And it's really an exciting time to be in the industry. You know, we, we track 10 mainstream varieties here as far as volumes go. And we have a report called the Other Variety Report that report breaks down that other category. There are 57 different varieties within the other variety report. And of that, 29 are old mainstream varieties that are on their way out. And the remaining 27 are all proprietary varieties. So as you can see, we have a tremendous amount of diversification in our industry. Mm. And, and the number one variety today then isn't Red Delicious anymore, is that right? That is correct. Uh, for this season, and this was the first season, uh, Gala is the number one variety. If you, if you look at 2012, we saw Gala become the number one variety in the U.S. domestic market. But total production has just switched this season. And tell me just a bit more about the, the numbers on, on this variety, Cosmic Crisp, that's been, as I said, getting even uh, your consumer media in the U.S. very excited. 
It really is. You know, this last season, the 2019 crop year, was the first year that we actually harvested Cosmic Crisp in commercial volumes, and we had about 385,000 bushels. The next season, which obviously we're getting close to right now, beginning in August of 2020, we're expecting to have in excess of 2 million bushels. And in five years, our anticipation is 16.4 million bushels of Cosmic Crisp available for those consumers in the U.S. and international markets. Now, uh, just help me, uh, Todd, and help our listeners. A bushel in a box or ton terms, how how much is that going to be approximately? Right, it's it's 18 kgs. Okay, so one bushel is uh, an 18 kg box. That's correct. Okay. Now, um, this drive to new varieties, you mentioned... um, the, the, the kind of signal for it came from shoppers in the U.S., and they were looking for, for just better-tasting apples, were they? Yes, that's, that's absolutely correct. I think what they, what they found, and a lot of this goes back to the honey crisp or the honey crunch, as you may be more familiar with. Mm. You know, consumers got a taste of an apple that had just great texture and nice, sweet flavor, and they just started asking, you know, what else is there out there? You know, what, what other tastes and textures are available and growers have responded to that so you know you see that in some of the mainstream varieties like you know crips pink uh, and of course it has its place in the marketplace as well but honeycrisp has really fueled this diversification and, and you're lucky that these new varieties that you're focusing on are, are also lend themselves very well to export as well i mean specifically in asia which is your your biggest export area isn't it Yeah, that's correct, Chris. You know, we export about one-third of all of our apple production to over 60 countries around the world. Uh, We have 12 representatives that run 25 independent country programs. We have been focused on Southeast Asia for the last seven or eight seasons because we feel that's where the disposable income increase is going to happen and, and is happening, and where consumers look at apples as an exotic rather than what we may think of here as an everyday item. So, that is really a focus in our strategy moving forward, and we hope to do more business in the countries like Vietnam and Indonesia and China when things return back to normal. I'd like to come on to those export markets in a moment, but uh, tell me about the, the kind of problems you've had, or not problems exactly, but some of the, the dilemmas you've faced at the Washington Apple Commission in kind of switching from that focus on Red Delicious into these other varieties that you've, you've talked about. Yeah, you know, Red Delicious is the flagship. There's no question about that. It's our entry apple. It's the apple that everybody uh, can identify with. It's iconic. It's differentiable. Uh, Very few places can compete with us on that quality. And that's the apple that we use to get into a market, followed by Gala, of course, as the next apple, and then Grannies and Goldens, depending upon where we are in the world. But that Red Delicious really does provide the platform. The one challenge that we face, and I think this applies to all of us in the Apple industry, is price point. You know, there's so much competition out there in the marketplace right now. If somebody is at a particular price point uh, from another country, you know, we might be able to get two to maybe even four dollars more a bushel for our product, but there is a limit to how high that can go. And that's one of the concerns when we start talking about proprietary varieties in the future. And uh, on this issue of exports, you mentioned the, the work you've been doing in Southeast Asia, but things haven't been so easy for you in the last 12 to 18 months. I mean, first, the, there's been your government's trade dispute with, with Mexico, your, your nearest neighbor, 
next to Canada and, and, and with China. And then there's the much higher duties you now have to pay to get your apples into India, which remarkably, uh, when I think about this, is, is still is, is one of your largest markets, uh, export markets in the world, indeed your fourth largest uh, export market. Now, um, is it fair to say that these kind of complications you've had uh, um, have allowed competitors, and I'm thinking particularly from Europe, to get into into the market that you've not been able to occupy in the same way. Um, and I guess the next question is, how soon are you guys going to be back in, in, in these markets in a very big way? Well, you bring up a very good point. Um, we have had our issues over the course of the last 18 months with the Section 232 aluminum, aluminum and steel tariffs. That mm. has uh, caused great consternation in our industry, beginning with Mexico, which is, of course, our number one export market, and then moving into India, which at one point has been as high as number two, mm. and a very uh, and a market that's very dependent upon Red Delicious because that's the variety that they grow in India themselves. And then when we look at China, China is the number six market. So when these Section 232 and 301 tariffs impacted us, it dropped the interest dramatically and increased the cost to the consumers. You know, in in addition to that, we've had a pretty strong U.S. dollar. So that hasn't helped much either. Uh, so it's it's been a very difficult time. You know, when when we look towards next season, it would be very easy to pull back, you know, to allow those trade issues, allow COVID to run the marketplace. But we're not going to do that. We've actually decided to increase our export promotional support by 50% and concentrate that support in places where we can see value-added markets for the Washington apple growers. Now, just let me get this right, 50%, not 15%, 50% 5-0. increase in promotional funding, that's correct. That's huge. Well, it's huge, but our budget isn't that large. So it sounds huge, <laughs> that's why I use the percentage. But it, basically we go from eight to $12 million. Oh, well, that's pretty pretty big, uh, not, not, nonetheless. Now, now back to the issue of varieties. Uh, and and you, you talked about the COVID crisis, which uh, is affecting us all. And please God, may it, may, may it go uh, away soon. But one of the things that we've seen in this crisis is that shoppers, and I think this is true around the world, they kind of want things to be simple. They want to go into a store, pick up their produce and, and get out of the store as quickly as possible. Now, I, I know, too, um, that it's lifted Apple sales right across the board all over the world. But what I want to know now is whether there is a danger that the kind of wider range of varieties that you have may just almost be too complicated for tomorrow's shoppers and, the, and, and, and at the supermarkets they shop at. What, what do you think? Well, I think it was complicated before COVID and it's become even more complicated since. As you alluded to, Chris, you know, consumers are going into the retail markets fewer times per week. Mm -hmm. But when they do go in, they're looking to buy volume rather than um, individual items. So we're seeing consumers gravitating toward the bagged apple category. The threes, fours, fives, and even 10 pound bags are selling very well mm. uh, compared to the product that is bulk displayed. So we, we do have grave concerns about this. You know, there's certainly always been a trend towards online shopping, but COVID has really increased the velocity of this online shopping. And 
And that is really the key in the future. You know, how do we communicate to these people that don't go into the store? Mm-hmm. How do we communicate to the people that are millennials or pre-millennials that just eating one more apple can satisfy us all as on the growing community? So there's a lot of challenges ahead, but at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity. I guess that, that I mean, it, it, you must be very glad that you've got that extra money to spend on, on promotions to kind of uh, reach all these different segments of shoppers that you're now that we're now having to look at. You're absolutely correct, Chris. I mean, and that's the reason why we've doubled down and invested more money because we understand that the digital platform is going to play a significant role in the produce industry in the future. Mm. We've been involved in China for, you know, a decade or more, and they have really taken the e-commerce to the next level with Alibaba and Tmall and JD.com. And we have excellent relationships there. So we have a framework. We know what it's supposed to look like. And we're trying to execute that in the countries that we have market share in right now. Mm. I'm, I'm conscious that Amazon is a fellow organization based in your neck of the woods on the west coast of the U.S. That's where their headquarters. Now, we, we've discussed um, uh, already there's been a big shift in, in recent years to the development of redder, sweeter varieties of apples. And you and I know that it takes a decade or more successfully to develop a, a new variety. We also know that it's a complicated and, and very expensive business. So... Tell me, what, what are some of the varieties that you're working on now and what can we expect to see in, in future? Well, uh, the interesting thing about these new varieties is we really have two individual pathways that we're following. The packers themselves are going out there and trying to find these new varieties and propagate them for themselves and, and they will have total control, scarcity of supply, right? So they will go out and find a variety and they'll limit the volume and they'll control who it's going to go to. The opposite of that is, is Cosmic Crisp. And this is the first time that we've had an apple like this enter our industry. The growers supported the, uh, this variety with Washington State University. So we have exclusivity for 10 years on that particular variety. So what we saw in our industry was those people who didn't have access to proprietary varieties were all in on Cosmic Crisp. So we're seeing volumes go up dramatically. And as you alluded to, these are not quick processes. If you go back and you look at Honeycrisp, it's taken 25 years for Honeycrisp to be the apple that it is today. And in Washington, that's about 17 million bushels uh, headed towards 20. So that has really set the stage and Cosmic Crisp being a cross between Honeycrisp and Enterprise and also having the media attention that we have had in the, in the course of the last two years should really fuel the expansion of this variety to the U.S. domestic consumer. And, and remind, of, uh, remind me of those figures. You, you said you've got two million bushels uh, in the next couple of seasons and then what's it going to then in the next right. five years? Right. So last year, first year, 384,000. This year, anticipated 2 million. And I would think that's a conservative number. The year following, 6.6 million. And in five years, 14.6 million bushels. So well, we, we call it the, uh, the cosmic crisp tsunami. <laughs> As you say in your neck of the woods, gee whiz, that's a, a short, big, big crust. <laughs> it now, really is. I know in the U.S. you've done a huge amount of work also to get apples into food service. And McDonald's is, I think I'm right in saying, one of the biggest purchasers, the single purchasers of apples in the country. 
Do you see opportunities to grow sales in this sector um, in your export markets too, or is that not something you really look at? Well, it's not something that we really look at um, because what we have found in most international countries is there's a local origin that is less expensive and easier to gather supplies. So it's really difficult for us to compete on a price point. Mm. So we haven't concentrated on food service very much with the exception of Del Monte and the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. You know, they concentrate on our apples and they like it because the conversions are higher. They end up with more fresh product from that bulk product that they buy. Uh, so we do support them. This is for their, their fruit cups and slices and so on. That's correct. Yeah. Now let, let's end uh, this conversation by talking a little bit about, uh, about more about the, the COVID crisis and its impact on the future of apple marketing. You were talking about it a moment ago. I, I see you've been doing some very positive trade messaging around your role in the supply chain. Do, do you think this crisis will change the way in which you communicate with consumers in future too? And, and what difference do you think it'll make to the way in which you promote apples? Well, I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, today we're trying to figure out where COVID is going to take us next year, the year mm -hmm. after, and even five years down the road. We have grave concerns right now. One of the, the biggest uh, linchpins of our program is demonstrations at retail. Mm -hmm. You know, working with the retail and having point of purchase materials and providing uh, apples and, you know, try me, you know, choose me, that type mm -hmm. of, a, of an attitude. We don't know if that's going to be something that will continue in the future. Clearly, it's going to have less significance. So in response to that, and we have been trending towards digital media for over five years here, we're going to expand our role on the digital platforms. There's no question about that the new consumers, the, the millennials and the pre-millennials, they're concentrated on their phones. You know, they're looking at screens. We need to find fast, new, creative ways to engage those young consumers to make sure that our apples, Washington apples, is top of mind. Mm. But of course, many of those phones are apples as well. So uh... <laughs> That's right. That's right. And occasionally we do get that phone call. And it's, you know, this is not Apple, but, you know, this is Washington apples. <laughs> that's good. Todd, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today on Fruitbox. I've been joined down the line by Todd Fryhover of the Washington Apple Commission. Todd, always great to talk to you. Thank you for joining me today. You bet. My pleasure, Chris, and thank you. Now, you can find today's conversation with Todd and the many others I'm having here at Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. They can also be found on all the major podcast platforms. Just search for the word Fruitbox. Our audience, I'm pleased to say, continues to grow, and it's great that so many of you are listening in. If you want to feature in a future episode of Fruitbox, then why not get in touch with me with uh, your ideas via my email address, chris at fruitnet.com. Don't forget to download our new magazine apps from the App Store or from Google Play. The Fresh Produce Journal and Asia Fruit are now out, and we're working hard to get a Eurofruit ready uh, as soon as possible. They're designed, uh, as you'll know, to work on, our, on your smartphone uh, or tablet and have been developed by the same people who produce that magazine called The Economist and other great magazines out there. So do take a look and I'm sure you'll like them. That was Fruitbox and this is Chris White. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>